Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Bonus episode here of the call up where we're going to give you a little Saturday edition because there are so many promotions and call ups across Major League Baseball. Of course, we're here to talk about the future stars of Major League Baseball. He's Jack McMullen. I'm Arm Layton. And before we get into anything, if you haven't listened to the Davis Schneider interview yet, please, uh, please go check that out. I wouldn't even be offended if you closed this episode out and went back and listened to the Davis Schneider interview. Not kidding. That was one of my favorite conversations, if not my favorite conversation I've ever had with a professional athlete. But that aside, Jack, we we have a lot of guys to talk about that got promoted. And I'm excited for your thoughts because I, I just put it out like not that long ago as we're before we're recording this, but I'm really excited to get your thoughts on Davis because he, uh, I feel like there's a lot of like thought processes that you will really appreciate from him. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to listen. I haven't listened yet. Um, but I'm probably not going to listen back to this one because I'm on it. I I might after the fact, but that one will take precedent for sure. I know he's going to be good because he's got that mustache for his MLB debut. Like usually you want to be looking like the best, you know, most, most dressed up version of yourself for your MLB debut. Like you may get a haircut if you have time during the day, if you're on the road, you probably don't have time, but like this guy was, you know what? My personality is going to be mustache. And I think it's a really good look. It's it's awesome. He talks about it. Like he wanted to shave it and they're like, no, you literally can't. You have 21 pumps. You cannot change a thing. Um, yep. And it was funny to hear him break that down. But the reason why I mentioned that interview real quick too, is we have some guys that are going to get going to get promoted to the big leagues. And yep. are they all going to accumulate 1.5 F4 through their first 14 games? Probably, Probably. not. I was going to say yes. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like that, yeah. the the pace that he is on is historic. And I, I think sometimes we see a Davis Schneider come up and ball out. And then a Jason Dominguez, who you know, we'll see what he ends up doing. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to talk about Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, not to mention a ton of others that were promoted to either double A AA or triple A. But yeah. sometimes the big name guys come up and struggle and it's like, oh, well, I'm watching a guy that I didn't know much of at all balling out at the big league level. But this prospect that is supposed to be the next best thing isn't performing. And I don't think, I think most of the people that listen to the show understand that it's, there's a lot of variables at hand, but it's going to be a, a position for Jason Dominguez and some of these other guys that are, that are getting called up. Like, I don't think they're chasing results. Of course you would love to go crazy and you'd love to perform, 
But for a guy like Jason Dominguez, like there's going to be a learning curve. I, and I think, you know, David Schneider is 24 kind of perfected the kind of player that he wants to be and how he can succeed. And he discusses that in the interview, but like Dominguez is still figuring that out. And that doesn't mean that David Schneider is better than Jason Dominguez. There's a reason why Jason Dominguez is a top ranked prospect, but David Schneider right now is better at being David Schneider than Jason Dominguez is at being Jason Dominguez at the big league level. I think at this moment that said, he probably could end up going crazy and we'll say, Oh, well, there's the margin. Yeah, I don't think that's actually going to happen because I find September 1st to be a very interesting time where the best prospects are typically the ones coming up on bad teams. And the Yankees, believe it or not, are a bad team in Major League Baseball right now. Their wild card chances are out the window at this point. So if you're calling a guy up to play every day, it's going to be a big time prospect. You really don't see the big time prospects called up for teams that are still in the contention window. So while they could turn to an Arelvis Martinez or an Addison Barger Toronto as a September call up, instead it looks like it's going to be Spencer Horwitz and they have Davis Schneider in the fold because they got to win ball games. Yeah. And while the ceiling of Barger and Arelvis might be higher, Horwitz has a 450 OBP. Yes. Schneider was OPSing 950 in yeah. AAA. Yeah. So yeah. these guys are riding success at the AAA level, and you're banking on them to provide you a little bit of immediate success at the major league level. Thankfully, Davis Schneider has given Toronto a lot of immediate (laughs) success, which is interesting. Another guy that I think fits that that we will talk about and get deeper into, Alexander Canario. Mm -hmm. He's not Pete Crow Armstrong. You know why? He's probably better suited than PCA to be a seventh inning pinch hitter and finish the game in a corner. Yeah, and and that doesn't mean that He's a better prospect than PCA, right? PCA is a top 10 prospect for us. But at this present moment, Canario coming off the bench helps them. And I I think that's an important note is like somebody like David Schneider just leaning into that role, knowing I might play once or twice a week at the big league level, getting his hacks in and and swinging for the fences. Like that's what he's doing. He's trying to make an impact and and trying to help his team win one way or another, walking or, or trying to drive the ball. But it's different roles, right? Where Jason Dominguez... Who, by the way, I look like a bozo now because I was just saying, no way they call him up. And sure enough, they they bring him up. I'm I'm here for it. I didn't expect them to, you know, put uh I would say I would not have expected them to put their center fielder and Harrison Bader on waivers uh to save a little bit of money. Like I that was not what I expected. I'm here for it, though. I would much rather watch uh, Jason Dominguez get big league at bats than a lame duck in center field who's gonna hit, you know, free agency after this year. Uh, but that said, Dominguez is going to be playing every day when he's up there just about. And and it's going to be to learn, to develop and to get his feet wet, which I think is the interesting side of it, because it seems like aside from high A, at every stop he's had, low A, there was an acclimation period. Double A, there was an acclimation period. And then, you know, we triple A, I think it was kind of the same thing. He kept rolling. There's nine he was, games. He hit and he wrote it right into a hot streak. And, and I think double and trips are kind of the same thing now where, where the big adjustments are, are low A, double A and the big leagues. Those are the three big markers nowadays. And um, I think it's cool that the Yankees are getting this learning process out of the way because that expedites maybe the process of him being able to help at the big league level next year where I think they're planning on having him be a big part of that outfield next year. Yeah, which is fascinating, man. Like this guy and Camonero, I think, is the one that we ID'd in the top 10 prospects where 
Junior Caminero has bumped his ETA by three years this year. Dominguez, I was still thinking 25, and now it's end of 23. So I really applaud Jason Dominguez for speeding that up. And I think a lot of that has to do with his approach in double yep. A, where, yes, you mentioned there was an accl- there was an acclimation process. We saw that last year where he stunk for like a five-game sample in the yep. playoffs. But we also saw it for the first month of this year or the first month and a half of this year. And then he really started to not hit the ground running because hitting the ground running is doing it right away. He really started to, you know, get running after kind of walking out of the gates. Dominguez is really impressive to me because this was and I said this on the Just Baseball show. He's not a guy that. I think any baseball fan that hears the Martian and the future superstar for the New York Yankees would think, oh, you know, this guy's chasing a billion pitches and hitting a bunch of bombs. That's not Jason Dominguez, man. Like Dominguez is patient and he will spell these cold stretches by walking his way out of them. Yeah. And and he's not a big whiff guy, to be honest. Like The only reason why I think we saw him strike out and why the strikeout rate somewhat inflated is that you have a guy that was kind of overpowered in the beginning and just overmatched a little bit by double a pitching and then adjusted as so many young hitters do. It was his age 20 season. I think he might've still been 19 at the start of it, or actually just turned 20 just ahead of the season. You look at his last 45 games. That's including double and triple a with that cup of coffee he had in triple three sixty two. 432, 543 slash line jack, 10 walks, 18% K rate. What stands out the most to me, 87% zone contact. You point out the patience, 22% chase rate. Those are all the things that you love to see. And don't get me wrong. The tools are crazy. Like there's, there's really fun tools there. We're talking about a 90th percentile exit velocity of 106 miles an hour. That's really good. That's not the Martian. That's not like where, who is this alien life form? He's a really tooled up prospect, but I, I love your point. I think his tools get oversold. He's a plus runner and he has plus power. Don't get me wrong, but there's guys like that. I think the tools get upsold and the polish gets undersold. And this is a 20 year old that's debuting in the big leagues. And I don't think, you know, it was not an expectation, but I don't think it's ridiculous. And that says a lot about Jason Dominguez is polish and development. Yeah. His savant page is not going to look ethereal like it's not going to look like O'Neill Cruz or Ellie De La Cruz where you see a hundredth percentile and then second percentile yeah. in some things that's just not what you're going to see um I I love the point you make there and you know what I will say what I'll counter with is zone contact is harder in the big leagues of course it's selection harder in the big leagues um you made a good point like you know double and triple they're kind of the same thing especially in pitching I bet league-wide OPS is lower in double Davis, than Davis just triple said A. triple was easier for him. Yes, I believe yeah. that too. And, you know, such as the base in the International League in 2023, I'll tell you, as a guy that has watched over 100 games in the International League this year, the pitching across the board is bad. Every bullpen has four or five relievers that have an ERA at nine and are walking eight guys per night. Yeah, I have no idea what's going ABS on. ABS apparently like is making more of a difference than I thought. I, I wrote that off, but you have I've had so many different people now say it to me, players, pitchers, hitters, that they Tuesday feel like it does shore it up suck. a little bit. Yeah. Tuesday through Thursday, it does suck with that full ABS system because like there's no malleability of the strike zone. Like Greg Maddox would be walking six guys per nine with the ABS. I'm telling you, because that guy was on the corners. Any pitcher that is on the corners, which is any good pitcher ever, 
they're going to get hosed because the zone does not adjust to them. Now they're making some adjustments. I think they should scrap the full ABS as soon as possible and then just fully adopt the challenge system. I think the challenge system is awesome, but yeah, man, I, I think Dominguez, the reason he hit 415 and the reason he was getting on base at a 530 whatever clip in AAA for those nine games was probably because he was just so ridiculously comfortable. Yep. Now we get our first opportunity to really see him be uncomfortable every single plate appearance because that's the big leagues, Bob. And I'm excited because I think he's going to hedge that, as you mentioned, with the walks. I'm excited to see the defense in all three outfield spots. Yeah. Assume he predominantly plays center field and then – you know, the one thing I want to see him do is get the ball in the air a little bit more. I think as he's worked to make more consistent contact, it's been more line drives, which is fine. Uh, but that's turned into a little bit more ground balls than, than you'd like to see. So that's something to monitor there. But I mean, overall, this is a really fun player, a guy that I think fans are going to. I mean, they already have fallen in love with, but I think they're really going to like the way he plays. He's not your I, I got to watch him in the Arizona fall league up close. I've seen him play in low A and, and in double A. He, he carries himself like a guy that. I don't think you would expect. And by that, I mean, he's been you know, celebrated as the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody's asking for his autograph everywhere he goes. Like he, he has been, you know, there's not been very many prospects with as much clout. And I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he carries himself. I think he plays hard. And I think Yankees fans are going to really like that. And, and he doesn't give you that, that superstar vibe in, in the negative manner. I think he has the moxie of a superstar, yeah. but I, I think he gives you the attitude of a, of a grinder. So do you think the clout went away a little bit in the last year? Yeah. And I think that part of that is what makes it all the more impressive to me, I think, because Dominguez had unfair expectations he didn't ask for. Right. He has. has, And and you say you say people love him like he's got tons of fans. They loved him after one Instagram video when he was 17 years old Mm -hmm. in the height of COVID. Yeah. Like chances are they were going to boo his ass out of the Yankees organization at the end of 2021. There was, there was, there was, and, and it was loud, right? Because if, if the positives are loud, if you, you don't meet expectations the negatives are going to be even louder. And that was another thing that really impressed me. We talk about players being able to handle New York and that that's, that's a wrinkle in this thing, man. And I think he's built for it. You know, he, he, he heard, he's heard the overrated, you know, comments, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure he's heard the, this guy's going to bust and whatever it may be. And, and, you know, there's that negative, uh, there's a negative attitude that people have towards Yankees prospects in general, where it's like, Oh, of course this Yankees guy is being overhyped. And I think there's merit to that. Of course, New York media covering certain guys, and there's always going to be a little bit of extra hype to Yankees prospects. But I thought that anything outside of him being a top 25 guy to me, I think is, is overbuying the struggles and almost trying to overcompensate for what was a silly amount of hype at the beginning of his professional career. Yeah, I think so. Um, Another guy with maybe 20% of the hype is Austin Wells, who I think Yankee fans are still excited for. Yeah. Um, But Wells is making his big league debut. It's going to be tough to watch him catch. I feel like, but his bat, and I made this point, like, Man, this tandem of Higashioka and Rortvet, anything to take viewers' eyes away from that tandem is yes. good. And and the fact that Austin Wells can provide just a teensy bit of excite- excitement there is like pretty enjoyable. I'm excited to watch. Yeah, you know, I am. I I do have my concerns about the defense. And you mentioned that. And you know, I think so far in AAA, and I know stolen bases can can largely be on pitchers as well, but his catch and throw skills aren't the the best. Uh, I don't, I don't love the arm. And 
opponents in AAA in 22 games were 30 for 33 on stolen base attempts. So, you know, that's going to be something to monitor in, in a game where, you know, guys are stealing more than ever. Is that something that's going to be too much of a detriment to, to Austin Wells? The areas where he has undoubtedly improved is his blocking and the overall receiving has improved. I mean, he's definitely just you're not getting the the whiffs or the egregious mistakes or things like that. Like, I think he can handle the game fine in terms of a pitcher. I don't think he's going to lose their mind throwing to him or worry about spiking one and that he can't block it. I think he's improved all those things. I just wonder if there's only so much you can improve and the catch and throw and some of the receiving aspects there, he might just be what he is. I think if he defends well enough in terms of blocking and in terms of, you know, making the the plays you're supposed to make and be a relatively average framer, I'm interested to see how that develops. It's really all about the bat. He just needs to not be, a total liability back there. And there's plenty of catchers that, you know, you'd be shocked at how bad they are at limiting the running game this year, but have provided value in other ways. And for Wells, I think leveling up the the blocking and continuing to do that. And then of course, as you mentioned, it's going to be the bat. I think injuries have slowed him a little bit because this is a guy that went nuclear, you know, in high a, I loved what I saw all the way back to his Arizona days and, and catching him on the Cape. Uh, you saw him put up good numbers in double a last year after going nuclear in high a and then bang, you know, banged up this year. And I do think that that's affected him. So I don't know how he feels physically right now. I know the EVs have been down a little bit and I really do chalk that up to some injuries and being banged up because the approach is good. The power has been much better in the past. And I think that's held him back this year as a, as a guy who likes to hit the ball in the air pretty consistently from the left side. Yeah. Um, all right. Jumping to Ronnie Mauricio here with the New York Mets. Um, this guy is up. It's been a really long time coming for Ronnie Mauricio. Um, he's got what a billion plate appearances so far in AAA this year. He's played pretty much every day. And I think he's leading the IL in hits right now. He's among the like minor league leaders and hits right now. So Ronnie Mauricio, it's nice to see Mauricio Alvarez and Brett Beatty in the Brett Beatty back up too. Yeah. yeah I mean, Beatty back I, up. That was a surprise too. That was another one that we thought maybe they'll, they'll manipulate the, the service time a little bit. Nope. They let Beatty come right back up after he worked on some things. And I applaud the Mets for that. I That's the one thing with Steve Cohen, man. You know, I, I do buy what he's selling when, when he talks about, you know, some of the things that he says about prioritizing player development and things like that. There's no reason for Beatty to to spend the rest of the year in trips. And, and I think now he can work through those things in a more calm setting at the big league level where it's not fight or flight. And Ronnie Mauricio, I, I like that he's up there now with those guys because you're still hoping that Mauricio can be a piece for you. And we talked about him as a trade chip. And yeah, he might have been one if the Mets were competitive, but they're not. And they have some spots to fill, including corner outfield. And you have some guys that have been underperforming. You have some interesting wrinkles to your team. You also have second base that's been underperforming. You traded Mark Hanna. Starling Marte has been struggling. If Ronnie Mauricio can play left field, which is what he's been playing a lot more of and where I think he's going to see some a fair amount of action, I think, is left field and second base. Yeah. He can endear himself to the big league team next year, a team that wants to be better, but I don't think is going to sell out on, on winning. Um, I, I think this is a great opportunity for Ronnie to not only prove that he has improved as a hitter, as a guy who is, I mean, the chase rates are always going to be high, but they're palatable or at least uh, fringe palatable at this point. The contact rates are great. The power is ridiculous. If he can play left field and play second. And I, I talked about that, like Chris Taylor, super utility type role. Yeah. He may, he may end up carving out himself a nice role in this organization instead of being that trade chip that we floated him as. 
So can I read you the Mets lineup tonight for his big league debut? It's Nimmo leading off in center. Lindor is the two-hitting shortstop. Jeff McNeil as the left fielder. Alonzo at first. Vogelbach DHing. DJ Stewart, a.k.a. 2004 Barry Bonds in right yeah. field. Francisco Alvarez catching. Brett Beatty at third. And Mauricio batting ninth and playing second base. So McNeil to left. Mauricio to second. I think this can be a very similar lineup to what we see on opening day next year, to be totally honest. Like Vogelbach off, obviously, Stewart. We'll see what happens there. But um, if they don't move Alonzo, I, I think this is you know kind of what that lineup looks like opening day next year. And I think that's fun. And yeah, I think it's kind of – this is a dude that probably has a little bit more pressure than some of the others because Dominguez, it's like you're 20, work through it, see how you do. There's, there's really nobody standing in your way. For Mauricio, it's like, hey, you know, we've we've been pretty doubtful of of maybe the ability that you can have to translate at the big league level. I think that they, they've kind of passively said that by, you know, not promoting him for this long, especially when the team was in fight or flight mode. They went to Vientos, they went to other guys. I think there's a level of pressure for for Mauricio to prove that it, they should bake him into the 2024 plans. He is just 22 years old and he has youth on his side, but you talk about how many games he's played and things like that. I think there's a level of, Hey, if he's going to do it, like he's, he's probably either going to do it now or never. I think that there's a balance to that. I think he, he, he's going to have some rust to shake off, but at the same time, you're going to have to just roll with the punches with this guy. Like there's going to be some hot streaks where I think he's putting up numbers uh, and, and getting as hot as anybody on the planet. And that's what happens when you can hit the ball 116 miles an hour. But I think there's mm-hmm. going to be spurts where he's expanding the zone. He's stretching and, uh, you know, it's, it's a frustrating watch and it, it's going to be interesting to see how it translates. But I think there's a realistic scenario where he's a Chris Taylor type and that's a hell of a ball player. It is a hell of a ball player, a player that made a lot of money this past offseason. And there were other teams aside from the Dodgers that were willing to give him a lot of money, borderline more money. So, no, I mean, that that guy has some serious value. Um, Mauricio has also proved exponentially more than the next guy that we're going to talk about. Mauricio, I I think a point here is, yes, the Mets and I guess the prospect world has doubted Mauricio for a couple of years now, but also – you know, he's proven absolutely everything he's needed to prove in AAA. He was one of the best hitters in AAA this year. So there's no point in saying, hey, we need you to develop more because yeah. he just says, what do you mean? Look at my numbers in yeah. 2023. A guy that doesn't have that is Kyron Paris, who is his September call up for the L.A. Angels. Yeah. Does Paris have a game in Salt Lake or was he in double A the whole time? Double A the whole time. Um, and so he likes the jump. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, he has and to be. I'll added say to it, and I'll say it so you don't. He has to be added to the 40. Yeah, you'll get into the roster thing. I'll say it so you don't. You said it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be bad. And I know that, you know, you kind of said something like that on social media and you received some pushback. Again, we're all for guys starting their clocks. Kyron Paris was punching out 30% of the time as a 21 and as a 21 year old in double A. Yeah. How is that going to get? better like that might climb to 40 percent for the last month of the season yeah that was kind of my point and you know i've been wanting to see him continue to develop defensively and he's been splitting time from second and short and you know is he going to be more of a second baseman is he be more of a shortstop we'll see how they decide to use him there obviously he's ultimately probably going to end up playing more second if he can prove that he belongs but we're talking about 
the whiff rates that are high. And that's the thing. Like I put out a tweet that basically said the angels, the Otani dream is dead, but the angels are still punching on development, referencing the point that, you know, the angels don't need to rush guys anymore. They don't need to go all hands on deck and try to catch lightning in a bottle with whoever they can bring up. I'm excited for Kyron Paris. And again, like these are these tough spots where we always want to be happy for the guy that's called up. But I think about him in terms of his development and you look at a lot of the best teams, a lot of the teams that develop players the best, they usually slow cook their prospects, their offensive prospects. It, it's it's something that just tends to work out well. Of course, someone like Ronnie Mauricio, he is what he is and, and you don't need to see much more. Kyron Paris, I know he's been around for a little bit, but he's battled injuries. He struggled in the fall league this past year. And I felt like this was kind of his, I wouldn't say breakout, but it was it was kind of him breaking into a level of prospect relevancy. I think there's always been intrigue there, but you know, he had a one Oh nine WRC plus in high a last year. Uh, and I finished strong in double this year. He's played the whole year in double a really started to tap into more power, stole more bases, you know, walking at a really high clip. I'm looking at that guy. I'm like, okay, this guy's interesting. He's on my radar. Now someone that I want to see continue to develop. I think just because you have to add him to the 40 man doesn't mean that you should skip a step in development for him here. Cause I think this is a guy that's a patient hitter. I'd love to see him work with a smaller zone in triple a and see if shrinking the zone for him and his approach can allow him to whiff less because we're talking about a 74% zone contact rate, a 17% swinging strike rate, which are both major red flags. And which yeah. is why I was concerned about the rushing of him. And yeah, angels fans did not agree with me on that one. Yeah, um, I don't know. I wonder if they agreed with Perry on wavering everybody, like literally everybody yeah. waving the white flag. So, um, yeah, man, I it would also be nice to see him in AAA because that place is as much of a confidence booster as you can find in Salt Lake. Joe Adele hit a ball 510 feet. Trey Cabbage hit, what, a couple balls 500 billion feet. But yeah. Trey Cabbage is generational. Sorry. Oh, no, he's one of one. But they were saying like, oh, this is, you know, Salt Lake's not a great place to develop hitters. Like, sure. But this is a dude that's extremely patient, uh, that likes to get deep into counts. I want to see one, how that works against more advanced pitchers who throw more strikes. Two, how that works with a tighter zone where it may work in your favor. And again, you can continue to leverage your patience. Um, And three, he hasn't had that many professional at bats, right? You look at 2021 what was it? A total of 40 something games. He was banged up 2022. He plays 103 games plus the fall league. And then we have 2023 where he's played 113 games thus far. So people were like, Oh, he's been in the minors for four years. Like not really. He's been in the minors for like two and a half years. And and that's a guy that I think he could be really good. I want to see him slow cook and, and develop. You know where I think the pushback is? I, I think the pushback is with, oh, well, it worked for Neto, right? Yeah. Why why isn't it going to work for Kyron Paris? Zach Neto and Kyron Paris are two very different baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, you know, Paris, you have the swing and miss concern, as you mentioned. So I hope he catches it. Like, I hope it, it just sometimes guys get up there and it just works. And maybe he can be one of those guys. It's an opportunity to learn. And I think that was the one counter argument that I understood was like, okay, you can put him in triple A and, you know, he goes nuclear there and maybe just leans into, you know, just trying to do damage or, 
you know, you send him to the big leagues, maybe some things get exposed and he can work on some things there. Uh, it depends on where you align philosophically. Sometimes I agree with that approach, but not if you're blatantly overmatched. And I think there's a legitimate chance that he's blatantly overmatched. Regardless, I'm excited for him to get an opportunity. And Angels fans deserve to watch Kyron Paris more than, you know, some random quadruple A guy that's 30 years old that they're going to like plug in there, you know? So at least there's some more intrigue there. Unfortunately, I think it's borderline likely that he gets overmatched as opposed to a real possibility. Um, jumping to a couple other guys, and we'll go more rapid fire through these. I, I'm blanking. We mentioned Hunter Goodman and Sedan Rafaela, but just barely. We we talked about them a fair amount. Just real quick, I would say, you know, Rafaela, that's one of the craziest defensive dives I've done. And the arm has gotten stronger. It's short. I think you can play an in elite center field. He's made one of the best catches I've ever seen. And then a shortstop, he's a heck of a defender, too. I'm thinking Kike Hernandez with, you know, I think the median outcome is Kike Hernandez, but you're, you're hoping wow. on a little bit more offensive upside. I, that, that's what I think you're hoping for there. That's a damn good median outcome. I think so. Maybe slightly above 60 percentile outcome there. Yeah, I guess. Um, are you more like, I don't know. Kike is kind of weird because Kike was actually a good defensive shortstop. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking before, you know, when he was playing good defense at multiple positions and, you know, giving you like flurries of great offense and then sometimes some inconsistent offense. And, you know, you got to take the good with the bad the approach. Yeah. 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 So I, I, think think that's, I think that is totally a fair median outcome for Rafaela because Rafaela, even if he stinks for a month offensively, He's going to get on base just enough. And listen, he's not really going to walk much, but he's going to get on base. If he gets on base at a 250 clip and in his terrible month, he's still going to make things happen on the base paths and limited opportunities that he will have there. And he's probably a better defender than Kike is. And Kike is really good, but like Rafael is kind of a different level of defender. Yeah, so. 100%. And I think, you know, we talk about median outcome. It's not going to be the the best year that Kike Hernandez had. It's like kind of similar to the career that Kike Hernandez had. I think there's, if you look at some of the six, 70th percentile outcomes of, of like what you could look for with a Rafaela, I'd look at the 2018 Kike Hernandez season. And I think that's exactly what, you know, you can really hope for on on the on the higher end and, and exactly what he can do with more bags, Absolutely. as you mentioned. Yeah. Hunter Goodman, future first baseman of the Colorado Rockies. He's not a catcher. He was drafted as a catcher. He's not a catcher. Figure something out with Tolia. Hunter Goodman is the guy moving forward. This guy hits bombs. Yeah, we talked about how he's like a cheat code uh, at altitude. And it was a joke. It was like nine home runs in like 14 games, something stupid like that in in, in AAA. Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to consistently do at the big league level. And that's a guy that uh, I'm glad they brought up. Real quick on Jordan Wicks, the left-hander with the Chicago Cubs. While we talk, he's making the second start of his career. He looked great in Pittsburgh, and that guy was slicing and dicing. Nine punch-outs in his big league debut. Mentioned this on the Just Baseball show. I did not think that Wicks was going to put together nine punch-outs in any outing this year. He does. I saw he had two Ks in the second inning in Cincinnati. This changeup, man, like before hitters get acclimated to it, this might be a tough pitch. Can you believe that that is his season high in strikeouts at any level? I, yeah, I can because he's not a K guy. Yeah. And and he leaned into the changeup. He threw it a lot and dominated with it. And you know what? That elevates the floor. And then the ability to pitch. He just knows how to pitch. And you see anyone around the team says that he has this unwavering confidence. And I told the story on the Just Baseball show that one of my buddies that faced him, it, 
battled with him for 13, 14 pitches and uh, eventually worked the walk. And it, after the inning, Wicks got out of it and literally looked over and was like, hell of an AB brother. And I'm just like, that's a dude that is so confident, so comfortable out there and you know, just plays ball. And, and I, I think you see that very clearly. Uh, you got to be so self-secure and so comfortable in what you're doing on the mound to look over to someone who just grinded you out and say, hell of an AB man. I got out of it anyways, basically. And, and back to the dugout and keep shoving. I saw a video of him at Futures game. I want to say 20. Oh my God. Yeah. That video is so funny. And it was like, what? It was, um, I'm blanking on who the two pitching prospects were. It was Chase Petty and somebody else uh, that that throws hard. And they're like, it was was a brave. Yeah. Who now is in Oakland at Cusick. Cusick. It was Ryan Cusick. Yeah. Yeah, It was Petty and Cusick. And they were like, oh, we should have a, a velo off. And, they were like, Jordan, you want in on this? And he said, can we do a change up off? <laughs> like, it's so funny. funny, man. And yeah. he's comfortable and, and it is a game to him and he doesn't have a stick up his ass, which I really appreciate. And he knows himself. It seems like, and that that's going to allow you to turn out a lot of quality starts and overperform. This is a dude who overperforms the underlying stats. Let's get that out of the way now. Like yeah. Braxton Garrett is, and I think he's got better stuff, a better change up. Like Braxton Garrett doesn't have a pitch as good as Jordan Wicks's change up, but I think he's going to be a guy that outperforms the the metrics like a like a Braxton Garrett type. I'll give you a final line on Jordan Wicks: five innings, five hits, one run, uh, three Ks, three walks. So he did walk three, but whatever. Um, he is two and zero with a one eight zero ERA in his first two starts. Good for him, so man. That's what they needed. Um, late addition is Alexander Canario, who was a September call up, and we mentioned Canario as a likely to possible call up um, when we kind of ran through rapid fire. And I'm glad to see him do it and mentioned it very briefly off the top. Like this is a guy that just factors into the Cubs a little bit better than PCA because he's got tons of juice off the bench. Close your eyes. I see in the next month, a big Homer in the eighth inning from Canario. I just totally do a hundred percent. And that's what I'm excited for. And and this is a guy who, you know, you want to prioritize PCA's development, let him keep getting at bats. Canario is a little bit more patient of a hitter. You mentioned the monstrous power that he gets into in games. He's been going crazy in AAA overall. Slow down a little bit, but we're talking about a guy that's been hitting plenty of home runs. Perfect, perfect piece to add to your bench to maybe platoon spot start here and there. Uh, I, I think this is a re- he's a, interestingly a reverse splits guy. So mm-hmm. I, I'm fascinated by how they're gonna you know go about that with him there. Uh, but it, it is. It is a really nice add, to, I think, to their to their situation there on the bench. It was a Tuesday, Wednesday. I think it was last at bat on Tuesday. Hit a homer the other way at 107 off the bat, 107 to right center. And then the first at bat of the next day, or maybe second at bat of the next day, he went 111 down the left field line to the stratosphere. So this guy is a big exit velo guy. Oh, yeah. Um in the minor leagues, a couple of guys that we want to run through here, a bunch going to double, but four guys going to triple that we identified here. Um, first one is Evan Carter on his 21st birthday. He got the call up to AAA. Carter's going to get that, you know, brief uh, month long audition in triple. And um, do you think he's a break camp candidate next year? I think he could be. I really do. Uh, it, I guess it depends on the big league situation. And that's going to be the interesting side of it. But I mean, the way he's swinging it, I think he's going to finish really strong. This is a guy that probably will find AAA a little bit easier than AA, but I'm glad they're putting him there. And I mean, he's off to a ridiculous start. He's got, what is it, seven hits through his first three games out there. 
There's a couple of things we talked about in the swing, and it's just very pole dependent uh, that I think could get exposed a bit more at the big league level. And it's amazing that he's able to produce the way that he does with some of the inefficiencies maybe to the swing. Um, but that said, he makes a ton of contact, sneaky power that's going to play up now, you know, where he's at. And the it's very sneaky to the pull side. So it's trying to balance that, right? How do I be this plus hitter, but also still lean into this above average pop I have to my pull side. And that's what Carter's trying to figure out. I think he gets a little bit too much, uh, you know, to the pull side and yanks a little bit too much, takes him out of the zone too quickly. Uh, yeah, but yeah. he's succeeding despite that. Another low chase guy, above average contact guy. And man, he's been awesome so far in AAA. I, I hope he breaks camp next year. Yeah, I hope so too. And like, we'll see how they want to move forward with Leoti and with Ezekiel Duran. I think Duran is a is a Durant's utility a guy big, moving yeah. forward. He's that that super utility guy. I mean, I I think Carter is a better option than Leoti. I think so too. Um, and Adolis, you know, is factoring in for the long term, and and we move it's forward with that. Yeah, yeah, into a corner. He's in right. Um, all right, two pitchers, three pitchers from the AL Central, but two same org going from Birmingham to Charlotte: Nick Nestrini and Christian Mena. Nestrini has a bit more pub, I think, understandably so. Nestrini is the much better prospect, and Nestrini has looked really strong since the trade from the Dodgers. He was part of that Lance Lynn deal. He was kind of the headliner there. Um, reliever Jordan Leisure has been in triple for a good bit. Wild um, how how things have really clicked for him since the trade. I mean, he had, he had one bad start out of the gate, happens, and then over his last three starts, man, it, it's not just been – the numbers where I mean it's been just three straight really good. We're talking six innings, one run, one walk, 10 Ks, five innings, one run, two walks, seven Ks, six innings, two hits, two runs, two walks, nine Ks. I mean, that's three straight dominant outings between double A and triple A. The last one was his first triple A start. What really stands out to me is he's commanding the heck out of the bottom of the zone. I mean, he is going in with the fastball, then he's fading away with the changeup, and he is pounding the strike zone. The last four starts, 74% strike rate on the fastball, 70% strike rate on the slider. The changeup is just disgusting, man. And and Nasreen is a borderline top 100 guy for me now. I mean, just off of what I've been able to see from him, I mean, lefties, left-handed hitters against the changeup this year, 139. I mean, and that's the pitch that he throws predominantly aside from his fastball to lefties. How about righties? Are they much better? No, they are 154. So that on top of the fact that he has two quality breaking balls that he's decent command of, and now all of a sudden has found this fastball command that has kind of taken him to another level. Look out. I think Nestrini looks like a mid-rotation arm. Is he going to break camp with the White Sox? It's funny. Our guy Elijah asked me that. I think Yes. I, I really do, because if he puts together three, four more quality starts here and really shows out in spring training, who's stopping him? No one. It's Kopech and Cease moving forward, and that's kind of it when you look at starting pitchers. They just called up uh, Luis Patino. They recalled Patino and Jose Rodriguez from double, the infielder. Um, kind of interesting that they made that move, but whatever. We'll see how much they use him. Um, Nistrini, man, yeah, I, I think he could break camp as the three and hold on to that job for his six years of you know, pre-arb and arb. Um, Christian Mena, the other one. And Mena's season numbers don't look great. I will tell you, in August, he was really strong in double-A. And he parlayed that into uh, his final start of the month of August coming in triple-A with Charlotte. Christian Mena in August, a 2-5 ERA, 24 and two-thirds innings, 
He struck out 26 and walked seven. So Mena was much better. This guy looked thoroughly overmatched by double A hitters at the beginning of the year, even with the tack ball. Um, and now it seems like he's starting to figure some stuff out. Yeah. You know, we saw him like get the big K's at times with the fastball, had some big time jump, but it just, the command was kind of inconsistent. He'd leave some balls over the middle and that gave him some trouble. The fastball command has been the issue for him. And I still think it is somewhat of an issue, but a dirty curveball, a good change up. He commands the curveball pretty well. So it, it's interesting. Like he really is more comfortable spinning sometimes than just throwing. And uh, I thought the first triple A start looked good though. Um, there's definitely some reliever risk there, but he's 20 years old already in triple a that, yeah. that breaking ball is already enough. I think to give him a good shot at being a big league reliever. Um, but I, I do wonder if, if the command's going to be there to be a big league starter, but at 20 years old in triple a, it's, I, I think he's really done a good job of kind of expediting the timeline. And he's thrown a bunch of innings, man. That's the other thing. Like he's looking at, I want to say 120 innings so far this year. Yeah. And he's got the chance for 20 more. Impressive. impressive. So really impressive. Um, another guy make the jump from double to triple and triple a debut was awesome for David Festa with the twins. The right-hander Festa was a futures game. Uh, attendee was a futures game participant for Minnesota. Festa went five innings, four hits, a run, um, came on a solo homer, seven Ks, and one walk. Festa was really strong, and this guy is adding to that rotational depth that we talk about with Minnesota all the time, man. You've got Varland and Hedrick and Woods Richardson. They're all sitting in the minor leagues waiting for that shot. Now add Festa to the fold, and Festa might be looking like the best of the bunch. That's what I was saying. Count me in on Festa. And what's crazy is he's a he's almost a pitch backwards guy where his slider is he's got more confidence in that pitch maybe than than anything he's got, which is interesting. Where you look at his last 10 starts, he's thrown the slider 40% of the time, the changeup uh 26% of the time, and the fastball 34%. So he's throwing the slider more than his fastball and, and the changeup nearly as much as his fastball. What's interesting is Landing the slider for a strike 71% of the time, landing the fastball for a strike 52% of the time, and the changeup 60%. Changeup's nasty. It's just about consistency there. And I think establishing the fastball would make the changeup better. The action on the changeup in a vacuum is really good. He's 6'6. Uh, I, I think this guy's got special potential if he can find the fastball command. The fact that he is succeeding by masking the fastball is impressive because he throws 96. There's good life to it. He just, for whatever reason, doesn't locate his fastball as well as his changeup in his slider. And if he can get the fastball command to be even average or slightly above, I think this guy could be better than, like you said, better than the whole bunch. It's really exciting. So I will tell you that like ones and twos in Major League Baseball, they work off the fastball. That's just how guys work. Yeah. But there are threes and fours in Major League Baseball that are slider primary. Yeah. And if he's slider change up primary and then he works with a fastball as his third pitch. Yes, it's not ace upside stuff because you do need to be able to bully with a fastball if you want to be an ace or a top flight two in Major League Baseball. But to be a starting pitcher. You can throw 45% slider. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, And that's why I love the floor. Because I think that the floor already, I think, is Louis Varlin type of arm for them that plugs in and, and plays. And I know they're very different types of pitchers. I'm a with, sucker for Varlin, though. Dude, I know. I'm I love Varlin. I think he's a big league starter. I really do. The, it, there's so many balls in play early in counts. Like, that guy can get through six innings with 55 pitches. And, yeah. like, Festa, that's not really him. No. But... The guys that are them that do it successfully, I just latch on to. Yeah. And Varlin's no. one of those guys. 
I hear that, man. And the, the last thing I'll say on Festa is, I mean, it's 96. The fastball is 96. So in the shape, again, it's good. If he can find the command of it, I, that's a pitch mix that can make him another guy that has middle rotation type upside. So I, I'm, I'm a big Festa fan, and it's been exciting to see him get off to that start in trips. Six guys just got to double A. We're going to go through those somewhat rapid fire, but we'll spend some time on Adel Amador. Amador, we just talked about in the top 10 prospects, and I think we did mention that he was getting the bump to double A. Um, yeah. But Amador is now fully with double A. Hartford already has a huge nuke, right? It was, was it a walk-off homer? Was it a walk-off? I don't It was massive. It could have been a walk-off, but it was like bombs away from Adel Amador. So we'll start with Amador, the Rockies prospect and a top 20 prospect in all of baseball, according to just baseball. Um, Amador got the bump to double A Hartford. Yeah, it was a, a big one in the bottom of the sixth, but he um, drove in two, walked in that game. We talked about this is the big test for him because yeah, how does that power play there? And, and I know power is not part of his game, but it determines the ceiling because we know we already know. I think it's the best bats of ball guy in the minor leagues so far. A hit in each of his games. He's walked multiple times, hasn't struck out much. Paris stolen bases. I think you've seen everything that you want to see from him so far. And I do think that we're going to start seeing him play second base a lot more, though. I think long term, that's going to be his home. But I'm excited. I think he's going to surprise people with a little bit more power than than many give him credit for. And I think you do that by going through the Hartford gauntlet in, in the Rocky system. I'm fully excited. And they gave McMahon the extension. I'm very, very excited for the near future of Goodman at first, Amador at second, Tovar at short, McMahon at third. I That's think that is an incredibly watchable Rockies infield. Fun. I think really fun. Very fun. Um, Matt Shaw goes to double A with the Cubs. He is headed to Knoxville, Tennessee. This guy was, I don't like, was he your guy out of the draft? I think you he's, loved him out of the draft and he's, he's just one kind of my, proving you right. One of my favorite bats out of the draft, no doubt about it. Uh, that was a guy that I, you know, I showed you a video of specifically ahead of the draft. I'm like, that's a guy I wouldn't mind seeing the Marlins go snag or whatever it may be. And I mean, man, he has exceeded even my expectations with the polish. I just hit the ground running in high A quickly plays his way up to double it hits in both of his first games in double, including a, a, a double yesterday at one Oh eight off the bat, by the way, the power is legit. The speed is legit. I don't think he sticks it short. I will continue to say that, but okay. He probably plays second base, maybe a little bit of third, who knows, but that said, this bat is, I think one, of, I thought it was one of the best bats in the draft. That's why he was a top 75 prospect for us before he really hit this stride. It was right out of the draft. And now, I mean, he's playing his way into Top 50 consideration, I think. Yep. Um, a guy that slid a good bit, slid past Shaw, was Hurston Waldrop. Um, Waldrop fell to the Braves. Listen, man, I, I know Shanawell. Do you want to eat shit on Shanawell? Nolan Shanawell hitting 320, walking more than he struck out, uh, and has a 10-game hitting streak to open up his MLB career. How do we feel about Nolan Shanawell? I mean, dude, I love it. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's I mean, this guy it's was awesome, playing. but like one extra base hit, like uh, let's pump the break. He's got a 460 OBP, and he has an 800 OPS. So let's let's cool it for a minute. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how long it lasts. I'm glad that he's you know succeeding. I'm sure he's having a blast there. Uh, I do have questions about how much power is there for yeah. Shanwell, and I think that's still going to be the question. But you know what? For him to lean into his strength the way he has already at the big league level, which is field to hit and approach, I mean, that's it's yeah. it's pretty remarkable what he's doing. He's a first baseman though, and like I need my first baseman to hit for power. So while this is awesome, 
we have to like wonder how much is this allowing him to maximize his ceiling? Because this is a guy that should be getting comfortable in the minor leagues, then should be learning how to leverage his power a bit more. It's usually, you know, if you have the field to hit, you got to get confident enough with the field to hit at more challenging levels to then figure out when you're going to le- leverage your power a bit more, if it doesn't come naturally. And that's not something Shan Wells had the chance to do. Maybe he'll be able to do that this off season and you know, continue to work to tap into more power, but it is pretty remarkable through 10 games what he's been able to do. Who's the greatest singles hitting first baseman of all time? Doug Minkiewicz? <laughs> it's it's an interesting profile. It, it definitely really is. But, profile. but props to him. Uh, real quick on Waldrip. Uh, yeah. I, it's He has definitely been impressive as heck. Like He's been really good. So impressive. But he's also been bullying guys with that splitter. And 10 strikeouts and four and two thirds in his last high A outing. And it was almost every single whiff was with the splitter. That's what he's going to do to ride success and give him pretty much a bullpen floor is a 96 mile an hour fastball and, and a diabolical splitter. I think but he's that, already getting outs over an inning or two spurt in the big leagues. I think oh, yeah, with that splitter, exclusive, I think he gets through a clean eighth inning in the major leagues right now. Yeah. My question is double A, how do the fastball and the slider play? We'll find out. But I, I agree with you. His floor, I think. If it's not working as a starter, I think we could see him in a big league bullpen next year if they decide in to o- shift the gears in October. That's splitter, that's splitter special. Yeah, yeah, it can't be in October because he's not added to the 40-man at this point. He is not eligible for the postseason roster. Um, Spencer Jones to double-A with the Yankees. Jones was having a really relatively tough year uh, with Hudson Valley and high A, but Jones started to really kick it into gear over the last month or so. Um, And this is, you know, his chance to kind of have upward mobility at the end of the 2023 season instead of, well, I spent the entire year in high A. Yeah. And, and, you know, this was a guy I was extremely excited about going into the year. I still am excited about him as a prospect. Um, And I think we've seen him settle in a little bit more at at the double A level at points, but then you get it. You feel like he's settling in and then you get the hat trick and then he seems to have a better game again. And then you get the hat trick. So it's like, it's been a little frustrating, but I do like finishing the year at double A and, and kind of going back to the drawing board a little bit after this year to just try to figure out how to cut the whiff down. I don't think the, the, the whiff is that egregious in terms of the overall numbers. It's more challenges with, you know, a slider uh, or like a hard breaking ball that's been, you know, kind of leaving him exposed if he can figure out how to again these long lever guys that seems to be the case is breaking balls just you see O'Neill Cruz you see Ellie De La Cruz it's hard to stay on them and sometimes you swing over them consistently that's something that he's gonna have to figure out you know and and fortunately Aaron Judge is a, a pretty good template in that in that organization who maybe you know could work with him a little bit yeah in spring training and, and see but the power potential is special 109 mile per hour 90th percentile if he can continue to cut down on the chase he has been cutting down on the K's overall. Uh, I, I still am optimistic. Got you. Three more guys to go over. Two double A, one high eight. Jacob Melton with the Astros. He is a Corpus Christi hook now. Your thoughts? Uh, Melton's fun. I think I think Melton is one of those guys that if you cover the Astros, he's not underrated. He might almost be overrated because I think Astros fans love him and think he's a top. I love him over Gilbert. I liked him. over. Oh, I'm sure they love him over Gilbert now. Um, He's he's an awesome player in terms of the upside. We're talking about the blend of speed, raw power, uh, the ability to to kind of play in the outfield a little bit. And I I think the, the, the upside's monstrous, but there's a lot more risk than a a Drew Gilbert type. So it's going to be interesting to see how he approaches and adjusts 
to double A because I do think it's going to be a challenge for him similarly to Spencer Jones, another guy who just seems to struggle with with good breaking balls at this juncture. Yeah. How about Parada? Parada's always kind of intrigued me because it seems like he's a good defender. Um, I just I haven't seen much from him in Brooklyn. Like I had no idea what he was doing, quite frankly. Um, and Parada got the bump to Binghamton. You know, good for him. Like, I don't know, man. He's just been such a Robin. And this is this isn't a knock on him. He's just been such a Robin to Francisco Alvarez's Batman. He's almost like the forgettable piece. Like you got one catching prospect there. You don't need to. Yeah. And Cartaya, similar situation with the Dodgers. Like Cartaya just kind of fallen by the wayside because Dalton rushing is the catching prospect now. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't love the glove as much as, you know, I was hoping it would develop a little bit more and it hasn't. And it's put more pressure on the bat. And I do think that the power was suppressed in Brooklyn. I mean, that is a consistent wind blowing in. And if you look at park factors, it's one of the harder places to hit the ball out. But we're talking about a 72% zone contact rate and a 32% chase rate for Parada. Uh, That paired with the defensive limitations at catcher, which puts more pressure on the bat. I'm pretty concerned about this guy uh, and his profile. It looks like more of a first base profile. It looks like there's a, a lot of whiff there. And I don't know, I don't know how it all kind of comes together for him. It's either going to be Hunter Goodman type power output or make massive strides behind the dish, which I think is less likely. So I the the path to success for him is doing something that one or two guys do a year, which is you know, just explode offensively like Hunter Goodman. I'm 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 pretty worried about Parada long term. Yeah. Um and then last guy here real quick is Xavier Isaac, uh, who got the bump from low A to high A with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know you love Isaac. He's a top 100 prospect. Um, will be interesting to, to see him get, I think it's two weeks left in the high A season, two weeks left of, of advanced pitching. Yeah. I mean, and he's responded extremely well so far. Um, two home runs the other night, uh, which I mean, to already be doing that in high A is so impressive. 20 at-bats, 23 plate appearances. He's only struck out three times. He's walked three times. He has three home runs. That is remarkable for a guy that's a high school dude, missed his senior season, 19 years old, 6'4", getting brought up to high A. Like I think he's just scraping the surface of the feel-to-hit side of things that are going to continue to get better for him. The power is outrageous. For a guy like him to be a top 100 prospect, it's real tough because we don't rank a lot of first basemen. You got to have some special offensive upside, and that's exactly what Isaac has. Big time, man. That's it from us. Yeah. Well, God, we could kind of catch up on the promotions. Hope you enjoyed this bonus little Saturday episode. Jack, we got one more month really in you know of, of the minor league season. I know it, it's kind of one of those spots here where we can see a lot of guys carry momentum as, as we finish it out. So yeah. new assignments, where these guys go. I think we might get one more like little round of promotion. So we'll, we'll try to keep you briefed on that. We'll talk about how some of these guys have done in their debuts. And then we'll probably do a draft check-in relatively soon, uh, you know, just kind of seeing on how some of the recent draftees are performing in the early going. Wyatt Langford, by the way, hit one one twelve the other day. Uh, and, and Carson Williams hit one one thirteen and a half, which is also crazy. Both of those were home runs. Uh, there's some fun things to talk about around those guys. So we'll be talking about some of the recent draft guys. I know Carson Williams isn't one, but I had to mention the one thirteen from him is nuts. Uh, and Wyatt Langford's been awesome to watch. So looking forward sure. to doing that. We'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Presented by T-Mobile, 
the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.